Hi there, everybody. Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we have our teen expert and director of coaching here, Autumn Brennan. Welcome, Autumn. Hello. Thanks, Megan. All right. Thanks for joining us for the second part of our two-part series on consistency, parenting highly sensitive children and teens stuck in the meltdown cycle and uh, the, the challenges that you can have when both parents and a two-parent pair are not consistent or two households, et cetera, right? So um, what we're going to be focusing on is the challenges that you need to pay paying attention to, as well as what you need to shift to break out of this cycle today. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids and teens break out of the meltdown shutdown uh, refusal cycle in as little as eight weeks. We've been doing that for years. We've helped over 500 families break out of this pattern and uh, we're super excited to talk about this. Uh, especially related to adolescents, teenagers. Autumn is our expert um, adolescent uh, coach here, and she helps uh, in both programs that we, where we serve um, and, and directs the, the coach team all together with us here. So um, I say helps like, like you're a little <laughs> helper. You run the show. <laughs> Well, at this point, I am helping because the um, the coach team that we have running is just fantastic. They're they're absolutely yeah, fabulous. Right. I don't. I'm very lucky, right, in that that, that um, the team that we have put together is yeah. just full of of experts that yeah. have been working in the field for. I mean, if we if we put us all together, it's like 50 years of experience. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. amazing, right? To, to yeah. just have the the team together mm-hmm. um, in both programs too, right? Because we've yeah. we've got the teen program and we've got um, yeah. the child programs. So that's fantastic. Right. Sure. So in working directly with teens and, uh, and adults in our, in our teen program and the, the, all of the work we've done for years and years prior to, to, um, fully focusing on coaching, right. As therapists in different avenues and different, uh, settings, residential treatment centers, outpatient care, um, you know, therapeutic camp work, right. Respite support, um, you know, just to name a few of your um, uh, in private practice, a few of a few of your dabblings in your career here. Um, one of the things that we see so often in this dynamic of, of parenting teens is, is partly developmental, right? Teenagers need to manage uh, an increased need for de- independence. And it's also true that uh, they can't be in charge just yet of their entire lives, right? So let's talk about the challenges that teens stuck in the shutdown, refusal, and sometimes meltdown cycle uh, really struggle with Autumn when um, you know when we see this dynamic happening in the home for highly sensitive teenagers. 
Yeah. So um, when we think about, you know, the needs of a highly sensitive teenager, one of those needs is, um, you know, to be able to express their emotion um, in a way that's not going to damage their relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, being able to understand the emotions that they're having um, and then being able to convey those emotions or communicate them to other people or to resolve them independently um, Mm -hmm. or with the support of somebody else. Right. I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's the goal. Let's have friends. Let's have family members. Let's keep it together. Right. And be able to function. Um, yeah. And what we notice is that the need of your, of your highly sensitive teenager is going to also butt up against the needs that just the developmental needs of um, anyone that's going to be this age. And one of those needs is to increase their independence, right? To be able to go out and to start to explore the world on their own, be doing a little experimentation, um, notice what kind of of friend groups or or peer groups that they're attracted to. And what we notice is that that's a really difficult thing to do when you're also trying to battle um, your internal state. Right. So Mm -hmm. I want to make more friends. I want to make more decisions on my own. And I don't actually have the skill set that I need to be able to do those things because these emotions keep getting in the way and I don't have the skill set that I need to manage those emotions. So it's kind of really sets your teen up um, for an even more confusing um, adolescence, Mm -hmm. which I think that any, you know, adult watching this can, can say adolescence is a little confusing, right? For everybody involved. (laughs) Right. 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 Just a little. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, right? Um, and so, you know, here you have this teen that is going through this confusing time anyways, with more expectations being put on them while simultaneously noticing, hey, these deficits that I have in, in, in skills to control my emotions, they're actually becoming even more of a problem than they were when I was growing up as a child, because now my developmental needs um, at this stage of my life are really calling on me to use a skill set I don't have. Right. This leads right. to a lot of frustration being a parent, right? So mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the teens' experience, and they don't, you know, they don't know what's going on. But imagine being on the outside trying to help that. Right, right. And when we when we think about a teenager who's comparing themselves to their peers, who is uh, trying to, like Autumn was talking about, experiment. Uh, experiment with identity, right? Like how many of you went to um, uh, the whatever version of, of Hot Topic was when we were growing up, right? Blair's, Spencer, yeah. Blair's <laughs> right? American Eagle. I mean, some of those brands are still around, but um, the the identity, the, the presentation of, of their image, um, all of that experimentation, in addition to peer relationships, how do you how do you talk to somebody? Are um, you know what are you going to prioritize? Is and then also related to responsibilities, experimentation with procrastination, with uh, follow through, with with um, you know follow through with authority, with responding um, with sarcasm to authority, with responding to yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Um, kind of, um, you know, keep it tight, uh, people pleasing responses or respectful responses. And uh, a teenager is trying to figure out their way, right? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to function? How do I want to um, relate to adults and my friends and my peers, right? Classmates, as well as um, out in the community. And 
all of that for a highly sensitive teen has um, a multitude of options that is exponentially larger than for a non-highly sensitive teen in the highly sensitive teen's mind, right? So do I want to show up like this kind of person, like that kind of person? And then the highly sensitive teen is thinking and running through scenarios like the matrix. Like if I act like this, what will she think? And when she thinks like that, then what will she do about it, right? So there's an intricate amount of processing, you know, highly sensitive teens to process deeply detail-oriented, taking in more information from the world and thinking about more information about the world, right? And so when we think about the amount of time that a highly sensitive teen can be spending inside their own head, uh, that part is expected for a highly sensitive teen. Now, a highly sensitive teen who doesn't have emotional regulation skills, emotional regulation skills, um, that, that, that component can really lead to isolation. It can really lead to reactivity, um, uh, you know, irritability to the nth degree when your parents will describe parenting a teenager stuck in the cycle as riding a roller coaster, having a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You don't, you know, you don't know where your kid went, right? Knock, knock, knock. Are you in there at all? Right. Whereas, uh, parents of a non-highly sensitive child, not necessarily stuck in this cycle, um, is going to see more days than not where they can recognize their teen's personality and some things that they're trying out. And then they're going to have moodiness that is developmentally appropriate. Okay. So what we're talking about is, is it, it can be, you know, misconstrued as a bipolar disorder, right? I mean, right. going to that high level of psych cycling through, um, identities and moods, parents can be like, who, who are you? What, what happened? Right. I, you know, meltdowns, you used to quote unquote, throw a fit when you were younger. And now I don't even know who you are. Like what just happened. Right. It can feel like you're just uh, smacked in the face with it. And so when we think about being able to parent a teen in this level of need, um, you know, we've talked about this before related to children often, but the same patterns show up. You can move into swinging the pendulum of extremes. We either need to um, hunker down and control and, you know, do as I say, right when I say it all the way to, well, you can't handle anything because you cry about everything and you, sh you shut down. So maybe I should just do it all for you and enable, right? And so we have coddling going on for a teenager. And so when parents are swinging from one side to the next, you have a teenager who is going to start driving soon, right? Or might be saying, I can't handle driving. And you're like, okay, that's fine because you lose your ish, you know, twice a week. So I don't want you doing that behind the wheel. Let's just not even talk about it till you're 18, right? Meanwhile, you're carting them around and you just signed yourself up for two more years of doing that when you were hoping that you wouldn't have to navigate that between your 16-year-old, your 14-year-old, and your 11-year-old, right? Um, you know, when we have, for example, the oldest one who's highly sensitive stuck in this in this dynamic. So uh, it's frustrating for parents, right? Frustrating, exhausting, tiring. Um and and there's a lot of confusion. Do I, you know, set limits here? Um, do I, you know, do I do I kind of, you know, pick up the pieces um, and and you know, limp my teen along through uh, adolescence? Do I ride it out? Right. So um, 
we have this wedge uh, with, 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 with teenagers stuck in this pattern and family members stuck in this pattern because you guys know it's a family dynamic issue. Uh, this is not a teen problem. You can't solve it by just focusing on the teen and building skills with the teens. It's a family dynamic problem, okay? Everybody in the family contributes. Everybody in the family needs to make shifts. And so when you look at that, it has to come from the top, right? If you're trying to change your whole family, you are the parents you need to lead. So when we look at being able to do this with, um, with inconsistencies, with parents who are running, you know, two parents who are running the same household or who are parenting across households, we really want to be paying attention to how you're setting limits and what you're doing to, um, to you know, to, to support each other in that in that dynamic. Okay, so Autumn, let's talk about what parents typically try in this dynamic, and and you know where do they get tripped up with this level of of consistency and and uh, trying to you know choose a a path or choose a an approach. Um, when teens are stuck in the room and, and refusing to follow through on expectations, et cetera. So um, it's funny because when you you were talking, I'm sitting here in my head and I'm going, yes, yes. You know, like <laughs> exactly what's happening. Like I hear this all the time. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, it's, you know, it's interesting with the, the question that you ask, you know, what do I see parents try? And the answer is everything. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the, the answer really is um, we try everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that sometimes can be part of the problem mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're in the thick of it and you're feeling helpless and you're feeling lost and you're feeling concerned about your teenager and your your teenager is, you know, maybe receding more and more into their bedroom. I am seeing them less and less. And when I do see them, it's a it's a, a word vomit opportunity. And then I'm, if somebody's left cleaning up the mess, um, you, you do start to really try everything and that, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about what everything that you were saying, as far as how many of these new expectations are being put onto the teenager and on the parent, it just increases that confusion that, Mm -hmm. um, the teenager is experiencing in that moment. Right. And so it might be that you try one approach on Tuesday, right. Of I'm going to come in. And I'm really doing my best. I am have slept, you know, it's only Tuesday (laughs) (laughs) about this day. And I'm gonna come in with all of my my compassionate heart and I'm going to say, I know you're having a hard day, and I'm gonna do everything for you. Yeah. And on the one hand, that might seem like it's helpful, but at the same time, it, it really isn't so helpful because what is happening there is you're jumping in and you're um, doing everything for your team to help them get up and, and go and, and maybe to, to you know continue to function on that day. But we really didn't just help them to learn how to solve this problem long term. Instead, what we really just reinforced was you have somebody else that's going to come in and solve your problems for you. Right. Right. And, and the reality is that's not what parents want, right? At the, in, in, you know, of a teenager, especially you were just talking about that driving. I don't want to be carting you around for two more years. I want yeah. you to start to solve some of these uh, more adult or more complex problems that are coming into your life because mm-hmm. you're becoming older and because this is part of that growing up, that experimenting, right? Like meeting these, these new expectations that, that um, are developmentally appropriate for you. And so on, you know, on Tuesday, that sounds like a great plan. Here's the problem mm-hmm. on Saturday, when I am burnt <laughs> and I did not get the best night's sleep and yeah. I have been 
really trying to help you out maybe towards the end of the week I kind of just stopped talking to you when we were just you know passing ships if we were passing at all and then mm-hmm. on Saturday when you have that meltdown because you are here and not at school I'm gonna try my other tactic which is you know what you figure it out yeah going the yep. extreme in the other direction also not helpful get because, up yeah because again we haven't actually taught them to solve their problems. Instead, Mm -hmm. we've just tried throwing things at it and seeing what happens. Yeah. Showing them, showing them how to solve the problem, trying to solve it with them rather than building skills. And this is important, right? So as children, you're telling them what to do, right? And as babies, we're solving the problem for them. As babies, our, our babies train us quite well because our babies are helpless. Uh, we need to change their diaper. We need to feed them. We need to spoon feed them. Right. And, uh, you know, I talk about this with our, our clients a lot. There's really four reasons why your baby is crying. Right. (laughs) So it's a heck of a lot easier to solve. Do you need a changed diaper? Do you need to go to sleep? Do you need snuggles? Do you need food? Right. Um, Maybe there's one more, but roll with me here. I have a five month old right now. So <laughs> maybe there's seems one more right. I figured out. Right? <laughs> what was it? I said, that seems right. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah, we're pretty good at it, right? So at, at this point, your baby's got you trained pretty well because you need to be caring for your baby. And, and that's all your baby can do is cry and, and to tell you that something's up. They need something, right? And so where parents get stuck is as they start to try to um, support highly sensitive children growing up, it's like, oh, okay, what's wrong? What's going on here? Is it this or is it that? Is it this or is it that? So instead of asking the baby, because the baby can't talk, then they just start managing the child, right? Fix it mode. All right, let me pick it out. Okay, let me reassure you. You're worried. Let me tell you it's going to be fine, right? Um, Let me show you that that you're thinking about the worst case scenario. Let me help you notice there are plenty of other opportunities. Or let me tell you, you know what, bud, you don't need to worry about that. We'll deal with it when we can. Dismiss it, right? Or, or, um. Uh, try to change the subject, distraction, et cetera. And so maybe you made it out of the meltdown cycle in the sense that you're, you know, you're still here, <laughs> your kid's still in your house and, and you're w- moving through. But now comes the point where you're asking your teenager to solve the problem that they're not even telling you about, right? Uh, you know, you're not monitoring their social media to the point where you know whether or not they have a, a Finsta or some other platform that they could be on and who they're talking to on the internet that could be playing into the social dynamic. And so you don't know that that Sally uh, dumped Johnny because she thinks that you like Johnny and you flirted with her, right? I flirted with him. And um, you know, your teen flirted with him and then, then, you know, you're worried, they're worried about their friendship with Sally. And also they kind of like Johnny and they don't know if it's time to, to, you know, uh, make that known to Johnny, right? All of that is literally not something that you can see as a parent and totally normal teen exploration, peer relationships. Uh, but for your teen, all you see is irritability. All you see is hemming and hawing, wondering whether or not school is something that they can tolerate today. Can they even get out of bed, right? And so Saturday rolls around and what do they do in their sleep until noon? And you got to go somewhere. Are you going to bring them with you because they've been refusing to go to school all day? And now it's Saturday and you don't want to perpetuate all week and then it's Saturday. 
and you don't want to perpetuate the pattern of letting them sleep in so that they, you know, Monday becomes a, a terrible experience. Or are you going to, you know, just say, look, man, you got to get going. Let's roll. Right. Um, I'll see you later, but I expect you to have, you know, everything taken care of in your room, uh, laundry done and feed yourself. And I'll, I'll be back. You know, I got to take your, your sibling to soccer tournament. And so when we think about this dynamic of, you know, I've helped you handle this for the last five days, I've helped you take responsibility. I've helped you move out of the frustration, uh, um, by, you know, giving you task after task, after task, after task, and then finally getting you to school. And now here we have Saturday and you're like, dude, it's Saturday. Like I need a break. Right. We move into suck it up parenting. And so this can be relevant. If you're a single parent, this can be relevant. If you are in a two parent household or two parent uh, relationship, co-parenting here where one parent can be passive, uh, doing all the things, right. Enabling, coddling, and then the other parent can be suck it up or you guys waffle. You, you, you just pass the baton between this dynamic, right? It's less typical that, that parents go all or nothing themselves in um, how they, how they work with the, with the team, because you love your baby. You're trying to help them, right? This is not because you are you know full of resentment all the time. Notice what I just said there. <laughs> um, you, right. There's energy in, in some parts of the week and to, you know, to, to work with your team, to have conversations and to try to pull the stress out of them. But in this dynamic, we have teens who are holding up and wedging isolation, right? And this is this is where the, the biggest challenge becomes because when you're solving problems for them half the time or, you know, bear with me with my portions here, and then asking them to solve it all by themselves, the other half of the time, teenager decides subconsciously, automatically getting the message you can't handle it until it's absolutely dire. And then you're expected to do it all on your own. When you are put in that position, what would you want to do? Nothing. Right. Sit at the bottom of the hole and just sit there. Because eventually exactly. somebody's going to come around and take yeah. care of the hole for you. Where's my blankie? I'm out. Right. <laughs> right? right. Procrastinate, hide, sleep you know, binge watch, whatever show is hot right now, you know, no, thanks. No, thanks. And so then we get this assumption for parents, teenage parents, and teenagers stuck in this pattern. What's the assumption Autumn? What do we, what do we, how do we, what do we usually jump to? So, so what the assumption is, is that the teen's the problem. Right. The teen is broken. There's something wrong with them. Um, they're never going to be able to be an adult. Right. Yeah. And um, the reality is, of course, that's not true. They're going to mm -hmm. be an adult, whether or not um, yeah. you decide yeah. that they're ready to be. <laughs> yeah. Are they going to live in your basement, though? You know, we've right. got a question here. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. And so it comes. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to noticing how do I help? to move away from that managing a child telling a child the mm -hmm. things that they need to do um mm -hmm. in in order to give them the opportunity to grow in the areas that they need to grow how do i move from that to now helping my teenager with the new experiences that they have access to that they didn't as a child 
how do I help them to start to use some of these skills that they've gained at a lower level? How do, how do I help them to use those skills um, in a different way? How do I, mm-hmm. I help them to, um, you know, really start to begin to understand how to run their own life and yeah. to feel um, a greater sense of self-worth because they are the ones that are becoming decisive. They are the ones that are um, <clears throat> creating their own future, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's so cool when you see a teenager that, um, you know, shows up and says, hey, I went and I applied for this job and guess what? I got it, right? Like they yeah. have this like huge smile on their face. There's a lot of skill sets that are required to be able to do that. And one of those skill sets is not handing the application or, you know, sending them these days, right? It is, it's sending the link um, to your mom to say, I need you to fill this out. Right. Uh, Right. Um, Or laying on the bed. And when every time somebody asks you in your household about the job, oh, did you apply? Or, oh, have you been looking? And you immediately shut down or worse, there goes the word vomit again all over your victim, right? Just mm-hmm. because I need to escape that, right? That, that's, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to <clears throat> get to this place of happiness, to get to this place of building their self-worth un- unless mm-hmm. they have the skill set or unless they have somebody that is acting as their personal consultant. Right. Think about, go. you know, us as, um, you know, we're coaches, so we're pretty used to it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, most people in their lives have other people around them that they work with, that they, mm-hmm. um, you know, seek support from in order to yeah. learn a new skill set, in order to continue to propel themselves forward in a way that's meaningful for them and that creates a sense of joy and happiness in their life. Mm-hmm. The parent for a teenager is that person. Yeah. And that means that as the support person that, and you know, the, the person that's helping someone to develop skill sets, mm-hmm. vacillating between, I'm just going to do it for you. And you should probably go figure that out. Yeah. I wouldn't pay that person money. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good coach. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, let me treat you as fragile. You don't know how to solve this. Oh, you're really mad at me. Okay. Let me not hold you accountable for it. Let me not help you reach your goals. Oh, all right. You want to talk to me later about it? Okay, sure. Let me slink away. Bye. See you later. No, the consultant yeah. is like, look, you want to go here. This is what you need to do. I'm here to help you. We're going to stay in this room. We're going to f- figure it out. We're going to handle the panic. We're going to handle the frustration, right? But I'm not going to let you off the hook because that's what you said you wanted. This is the conversation we're having. And so, yeah, your teen is paying you in relationship dollars, not necessarily (laughs) real cash money, right? Um, But they're they're invested in that relationship, right? And no child, no teen was put on this earth to be miserable. It is miserable to feel disconnected to to your parents. That's a miserable life. And so when your teen is looking for a relationship with you and they're looking to figure out how their investment is playing out and where they're struggling, you need to also look at how you're leading your teen in that dynamic. And so Autumn, you nailed it. The the focus for parenting a highly sensitive teen has to shift from manager to consultant. And that's the biggest gap that we need to support you in noticing um, and, and closing, because if you don't feel like you can consult because you're not sure how to ask the right questions, you're not sure to ha- how to, you know, quote unquote, diagnose the problem with your teen or even figure out how to get your teen to talk to you about the problems in the first place, then now's the time to seek support. 
you know, lead with examples, uh, lead by example. I mean, you need to be able to support yourself in understanding what assumptions you're making about your team. You need to understand the frustrations um, that you're having and what you're doing to enable those frustrations and perpetuate those frustrations, how you're inconsistent in a two-parent household, if that's relevant, and work at the same page, even if you're not working on the same pace. And all of that has to be focused on abolishing all or nothing thinking. You either got it figured out or you'll never figure it out, right? That's the guaranteed way to have a, what are they, Gen Z now, Gen Z or in your basement, right? We used to be talking about millennials in your basement. There's There's plenty of millennials still in their parents' basements. (laughs) This is the reason, right? Right. This is the reason. Okay. So participation trophies, everything's fine. We're all going to figure this out, right? And then what happens? You can't handle negative feedback. You can't handle having a boss telling you what to do. And so when things don't go well, I'm out. You know, I quit. I'm at peace out. See, sayonara. Or I'm not even going to try to to get started. So we've got learned helplessness, lack of flexibility, and uh, no skill to manage uh, and, and build and foster resiliency. Right. And so we see some of this happening in Gen Z. And I'm not here to to say, oh, you know, in my day, we put up with crappy bosses. I'm not asking you to do that and to teach your teen to do that either because you are the you are the first example of what your teen should put up with yeah. in relationships um in intimate relationships and and building those those um uh the, those boundaries right you are the relationship model and uh if you're struggling with figuring out how to be the parent that you want to be then now's the time to to seek guidance with that right? So if you want your teen seeking guidance, then you need to lead uh, with that foot forward. We are happy to support you with that. See if we're a good fit to work together. Book a call with us. Uh, We work with teens and parents together in the work that we do. And so that means that we will talk to your teen. We will help you take their word at face value. (laughs) (laughs) understand that they're motivated if they are, and then also support you to support them and staying consistent. Okay. Um, And uh, like I said, if we're struggling, we're going to figure out why you're struggling, what your challenges are, uh, what your goals are as a family and what your teen's goals are for their relationship with you and their relationship with themselves. And if what we do here at MTC is, is going to help you guys close that gap, we'll tell you exactly how that works on that same phone call so you can get started right away because (laughs) we know when a teen is motivated, you got to strike when the iron's hot, right? So same thing um, goes for you. Get started right on that same phone call. If what we do is not a fit, it is not our specialty for your family's needs, then we will point you in that direction instead, okay? Um, And and acknowledge everybody's needs and make sure that we're only working with people that we know how to help. Thanks, Autumn, for um, calling it tight today. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you guys soon and catch you on the next show. Bye. See you guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. 
Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. five steps. That's the number five S T E P S Megan Thompson, coaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.